identity. Wow. You know, we've been doing outward focus. You know, the DNA that we have, very excited under the acronym OIL, outward focus. The last month we've been doing outward focus. You know, Christians are people that look outside themselves, that serve others, love as other-centered. We take our DNA from, from the, our Father in heaven, and He loves us. It wasn't all about Him. It was all about us. And He reached out to us. And then there's identity this month. Great theme identity, the new identity that God has given us in Christ. And then next month, we're going to be doing legacy, leaving a legacy from generation to generation. With legacy, you've got inheritance, and we have an inheritance in Christ that He has left us, but we can pass it on to others. Praise God. Wow. Recognizing your value. I've titled the message today, Recognizing Your Value. As Ruth has already said, that's what comes under it attack is our identity and the value that God has placed on our lives. It's so important to recognize our value. Everybody wants to feel valued. Even us poor little husbands inside a marriage relationship, we want to feel our wife values us. Sometimes it's so difficult we feel so. No, it's good. We're men. We stand up. We're secure. Hallelujah. We're strong, we're dependable, we're reliable. We mean what we say. Hallelujah. I want to ask you this morning, where do you get your value from? Where do you get your value from? Is it, how, is it from how perfect your life is? Make sure no one touches your car after you've polished it up or your motorbike or, or, or what is it? Or clearing the bench down. Ruth loves a clean bench at night. Lately I've noticed it's been left a bit dirty. She's given up on doing the pots and pans after some of the, uh, I won't mention any names, but some of the far know they've been having scrambled egg or something at night, leaves the pots looking nice. After 25 years of marriage, sometimes I get up and they're still there. But sometimes we just like to have everything perfect in life. But what happens then is when it gets messed up, wow, suddenly we feel devalued. Suddenly we, we feel things are falling apart. Some people get their value by, uh, from how successful they are in life. I've got my car, I've got my boat, I've got my business, I've got a nice house. And, and then suddenly when it all goes to custard, they feel so devalued. Everyone's gone quiet. Maybe I'm speaking to someone here. Maybe you get your value from how people treat you. Ooh. In, in an age of Facebook and Instagram and all these things, and, and our relationship and community, sometimes we want people to treat us right. And it's just not fair when they don't. And why did they do that to me? Do you get value by being accepted with other people, by how people treat you? If you do, and things turn to custard, if things go wrong, well, then you're going to feel really devalued. Have you ever felt like that in life, when things go wrong? I have. And then we start to realize, well, that's probably not where the real value is. Because when things are going good, we're going good. But when things are going bad, we're not going so good. People end up not feeling good about themselves when all of a sudden a friend or someone close to them says something that might hurt them. Or all of a sudden business isn't so good, or they lose a job, or, or they feel undervalued at work, or even in school, and, and suddenly they feel less about themselves. 
But you don't need to feel that way. Ruth's already been talking about us, uh, to us this morning about how the enemy comes and attacks our identity that God has give us, given us as individuals. And the key to recognizing your value is to, to recognize who you are in Christ. Recognize that you are a child of God. We've been singing songs this morning about that. I am who you say I am. And God has redeemed us to himself. He's, he's shown that there is great value in us. The very best of heaven he would not keep back, but he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And he sent him to seek and to save that which was lost, and that was me. And he values me, and he values you. And he wants you in his family, and he's adopted you into his family, Ephesians 1. And he's made you accepted in the beloved one. Recognize, number one, that you are a child of God. Recognize that. Get value from that. That's what's going to come under attack. You're not going to know who you are or what this whole world's about until you recognize that you are a child of God. And you cannot be changed when you recognize your identity in Christ. You cannot be changed by the mistakes that you make in life. There might be disappointment come your way and you might make mistakes, but guess what? I've made many. I've made many mistakes in life, but I've, I know the one who's never made one mistake. And I take my identity and my value from him, the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Or whether you have little or much in life, Don't get your value from that. Or what people say about you. Don't get your value from that. What's more important than that is what your father says about you. What he thinks about you. And I want to tell you right now, he loves you. He absolutely adores you. He's made you just the way you are. Unique and an individual, as Ruth said. She was preaching my message. How someone treats you, don't let that change how you feel. I know sometimes it does and we feel all of a sudden wounded inside. But that's because possibly we're building our life and our identity on something that we shouldn't be doing. And suddenly it feels like the the rug or the mat is pulled out from under us. And that's good sometimes for that to happen because then we cling to the Lord. When all else fails, sometimes it's the last place we look to. Sometimes we're so quick to look and hold on to things around us. I know that when Peter stepped out of the boat, all the other disciples stayed in the boat. When Jesus came and walked on water, and Peter said, if it's you, Lord, they were all scared. They could have been a ghost or a spirit. Why did it be walking on the water? But Peter says, if it's you, call me to come to you. And he stepped out. And on the water, there's nothing to hold on to. The others wanted to stay where they could steady themselves in the boat because there was a storm happening and they wanted to hold on to something. But God's calling you into a place where there's nothing to hold uh, hold on to but himself. And I've experienced what that is like in life. Everything else that I've held on to, whether it's the business or the family or my children, or everything's been shaken. And that's been really good because ultimately I've come back to the source of, of all life and found my true identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the same value as a pastor, as a policeman, as a politician, as the Queen of England, 
as a president of the United States of America. You are valuable to God. Why? Because he sent his son to be your savior. If you were the, I know that if you were the only one in this world, he would have still sent Jesus to redeem you with his precious blood. You are precious and unique in his sight. And he loves you like you wouldn't believe. But you do believe it this morning, don't you? Amen. Does anyone believe it? That you are a child of the living God. He is your dad. And he loves you. Hallelujah. We're going to read in Luke 4 from verse 3. For those that have got their Bibles, but we're not going to read the whole passage. Ruth's already spoken about it. When Jesus was tested. Sure, she's been into my notes. (laughs) And when he came and he said to the devil after he'd taken... After Jesus had been led out by the Spirit into the wilderness and he was there for 40 days with no no food and he was hungry and tempted of the devil for 40 days and at the end of it, the devil comes to him, Satan comes to him and he says, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus didn't bother to do that. What a temptation. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to, he didn't get his security and his identity from performance. He didn't have to do that. He was secure in the relationship that he had with the Father. He knew who he was. The devil wanted him to, to take on his identity. But no, no, no. Jesus didn't do that. He was basically saying, no, I know who, who I am. I am the son of the living God. I do need, not need to uh, find my value out of performance. I am not performance orientated. Many people in life are. And if they don't perform, or else if your wife or husband doesn't perform, we get disappointed. But mostly about ourselves. We feel all down and depressed because we failed. Don't find your value from performance. So then the devil, uh, that didn't work, performance-based. He came and approached uh, Jesus on on that level. So then he tried possession-based. So he comes along to Jesus in Luke uh, 4 and 5 to 7. He says, And the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Wow, what power. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory if you will but worship before me, and it will be yours. And the devil was saying to him, Jesus, you can have it all. But Jesus said, no thanks, I don't need your possessions. I don't need possessions to give me security and to give me identity. It's not about what I have. Don't look up to people just because they've got a whole lot of stuff. Some have fame, some have possessions, some have all sorts of stuff, and there's of all people most miserable. Some of the most happiest people are the ones that have got less. I've been to Bangladesh, I've been to Africa. I've been through slums in both places. I've seen the smile on young children's faces as they played with a couple of sticks on the ground in the dust. I've thought, you guys are happy. Akuna matata. No worries. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing to stress about because you haven't got a lot. Praise God. Don't find your security and your identity and possessions. You know, when the widow came along in the Bible with, when they're in the temple and... Uh, and everyone, all the rich people were throwing in there, and Jesus was standing there by the treasury watching the rich people throwing handfuls. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give a big handful of money. 
this widow comes along and she just puts in two pennies, two little coins, the most lowest value that there was. And Jesus says, look. And that's all she had. She gave everything. Others were throwing handfuls in and she said, look, she's given it all that she had. She's given more than the rest. Sometimes when we've got less, we appreciate Jesus more. And, and God really loves that. And he values the fact that we think highly of him and that we find our identity in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first two things he tried. But then he decided to come along with Jesus and try once more. And he wanted to try about him being popular. So what he does in Luke 4 and verse 9, he says, uh, he, he, he takes Jesus up to the uh, top of the temple on the, on the highest peak of it. And down below, there's all these people, crowds of people, very popular place. And he says to Jesus in verse 9, if you are the son of God, again, he's, he, he's trying to take away his identity as a son of the father and his security and his relationship with the father. And that's exactly what he'll try and do with you. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. In other words, the angels are going to look after you. He said he'd give his angels charge over you, and you so you won't dash your foot against a stone, and, and you throw yourself down among these people, and you're going to be popular. You're going to be real popular. Jesus says, I don't need popularity to be secure and to know my identity and who I am. I am the son of my father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Glory to God. What a place of security that God has given us in Christ. And I know you're like that. You don't need possessions. You don't need popularity. You don't need performance. You don't try and perform, but you just simply rest and lay back into the loving embrace of your heavenly Father. Is that right? Yes. Everyone does, eh? Good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't need any of those things. He didn't need the performance. He didn't need possessions, popularity. He knew he, who he was, the son of the living God. Where do you get your value from? Is it from being a child of God, number one? You are a child of God. You know, I was reading recently about, um, I don't know if you would have probably read this on the net, about Louis Giglio and... Uh, how that is uh, talks about what holds our cells, the smallest thing in our body, the cell, what holds them all together. It's called laminin. It's like glue that holds all the cells of our body together, and they found out it's called laminin. But the interesting thing is that this laminin that holds the cells together is in the form of a cross. And it's like Jesus. He's, he's created a masterpiece in you. And he's like the great architect or the great painter or the designer. And then finally he signs, signs off in your DNA. And there's a cross right there. Laminin. Isn't that amazing? You're made in the image of the Father. He, we were chosen in Christ before, before the foundation of the world. And even in our DNA, there's a cross there. He had planned to redeem us and draw us in so close that we'd be totally secure in him. You are... A child of God. Number two, your identity is found in Christ. That is so important that your identity is found in Christ. That means you're one with Him. The Bible tells us clearly all about this. It's important to go into the Word of God and find out who we really are, what we have, 
Um, I think Ruth has already quoted this this morning as well. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. No longer are we in Adam. Jesus died. The righteous requirement of the law that the soul that sins, it shall die, and he died in our place. And he ended that old selfish order. God judged the sin of mankind in, in Jesus as he hung on the cross. All our selfishness was laid upon him. And now we're no longer in, in Adam, but we're in Christ, new creatures. What happens? He was buried, but he rose again. A seed went into the ground. God said to Abraham, and your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Jesus was that seed that went into the ground, and he sprung up. If you take the seed of the Word of God, which is Christ, the truth of the Word of God, and you let it go deep in your heart, God created you out of soil. You are that soil, and the seed goes into the soil, and then it springs up, and it sprouts. And what comes from that seed is all the DNA of Christ himself. And we're in him, new creatures. So that's why it's so important to read the Word of God and feed upon it because we grow up into a mighty tree and others will come and shelter under our branches and we'll be a blessing to the world as we abide in Christ and grow in Him. Your identity is found in Christ. You know, during the week, I had a dream. I dream all night, every night. But we were, on Wednesday morning, I meet with the pastors in Kerry, Kerry, how he was there and a couple of others, Brian Bullen from the Baptist Church, Sean Foster from Frontline. And we started talking about different things and the prophetic. And, and then we, I don't know how it came up in dreams, but then I said, yeah, well, I dream all night. But I said, last night I had this dream. It was different to all others. That was on Tuesday night. And there was this hill, a great steep rounded hill, very pointed one, but with one tree on top of it. This is what was in my dream. And I looked at it. It was like a tree of life. But that was really like me. I've had prophesied over me. I've become a mighty oak tree. Others will come and shelter in my under the branches. Years ago, probably 14, 15 years ago, prophesied over me. And I saw that tree. But as I looked in my dream and I looked a bit closer, suddenly, because it had a trunk, normal size, but then suddenly I looked and the hill turned into this massive trunk. So you've got a tree about that big. But suddenly the hill that it was on become this huge monstrosity of a trunk that went right down to the ground out of all proportions and then I thought about that dream they said on, on Wednesday morning maybe God's saying something to you and I got from that what we're speaking about today our identity in Christ we're cut off from Adam and we're placed in Christ as new creatures and the trunk that supports the the tree is so big if you had only realized how much resources the sap flows through the tree. Jesus said, I'm the vine or I'm the tree and you're the branches. But the sap flows through from the stump of the tree, from the root system and up through the tree. And here was this monstrosity of a, of a trunk. It was so big. If you'd only realize the resources that are yours in Christ, if you abide in him day by day and you walk in him and you trust in him. Unlimited resources, all of, all of heaven's resources flowing to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives you a new identity in Christ. And uh, when you identify with him, you become more than a conqueror. You have all that you ever need. You can become secure. No longer are you a sinner, but you're a saint. 
You're not a saint because you stopped sinning. You're a saint because you've been set apart by God and made holy through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of God. The enemy will come again and try and rob you of your identity of being a saint. And he will say, now, Paul, look what you've done. You've failed again. And so you'll look back at your performance, and then you'll be disappointed, and you'll feel of less value. But no, no, you're not a saint because of what you've done. You're a saint because of what, who he is and what he has done for you. <clears throat> Instead of being lost, you're found. Jesus was the shepherd that left the 99. We sing that sometimes, don't we? You left the 99, and then he goes after the one. I was the one that had wandered astray, and he went after me. Glory be. Hallelujah. He actually loves me, and he brought me back to God. Hey, is that you? Has he done that for you? I bet he has this morning. I bet you were that one too, and he went after that one. God values us all as individuals. And he said, his Savior. And he's called the Good Shepherd. And he goes after the one sheep when it goes astray. Perhaps you've experienced being that one sheep. And he loves you. And he wants you. Hallelujah. Instead of being an enemy of God, you become his friend. You're no longer an enemy of the cross, going your own way with God behind you, thinking, no, I don't want none of that. I can do it myself. As we go through life, we realize that we can do less and less. Instead of being unrighteous, you become righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ is given to you. Romans 5 and 17, he's given us abundant grace and the gift, the free gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God in Christ. Instead of being sick, you're healed. Instead of poor, you become rich. Do you know the poorest person and the slums there in Dhaka City and Bangladesh, if, he has, if they have Jesus and they got nothing else, are more richer than a rich man, the richest man in the world that lives without Jesus. There's more to life than just possessions. Rich inside, rich in love, rich in security and identity in Christ. Understanding our new identity is so important. If you understand your new identity in Christ, you'll be stronger and more stable as a Christian than you ever were before. Search the scriptures. Find out what God says about you. What really is that new identity? Or who is it? It's Jesus himself. Your prayer life will be enhanced. You'll walk, walk in a new level of authority as you know who you are and you work out who you are in Christ. That authority will be passed on to others around you. But that authority is found in Christ alone. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he wants to lift us up to such a height that we reign with him as kings. Who are those kings? As I've said here before, you are one of those kings. You're one of those lords that he's king of and lord of. Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. He wants to delegate authority to you so that you can go out in this world. He said to his disciples that you now are the light of the world. I'm going back to the Father. But I'm leaving you here. But I'm going to send the comforter. And he's going to empower you. He's going to equip you. He's going to, he's going to lead you out on a great mission to reach and to transform the, your community and the world. Hallelujah. And you are now the light of the world. So the devil wants you to focus on your condition rather than your position that God has given you in Christ. He wants you to focus on your financial lack. He wants you to focus on your deteriorating health instead of what the Word of God says about it. 
and about, about our needs. He wants you to forget about all that God has given you in Christ. If you remember and you find out your true identity and you walk in Christ and abide in him, he then has no power over you. He knows he can't get you back into his kingdom once you become saved and you receive Jesus as Lord, but he can, he can attack you and stop you being effective as a believer in Jesus in your walk in Christ. So that's why he's trying to get you to focus on your position, uh, on your, sorry, on your condition and your circumstances rather than your position that God has given you as in Christ as a new creation. You know, when we did the fireworks on Friday night, uh, there, um, there was a young, uh, well, he's a middle-aged man, George, I baptized him many years ago from Tacopra. He came up and brought this older gentleman with him, probably somewhere between uh, 65 and 75. I'm not sure how old this guy was. <laughs> he was mature. Sorry, did I say old? Oh, that wasn't very good. Thank you, Ian. He wasn't old. He was mature. So this young 65 to 75-year-old <laughs> came up with George. And we got talking in the formal lounge while everyone else was setting up the fireworks. I must have spent three quarters of an hour with him, but I had the privilege of leading this uh, mature gentleman to the Lord. Glory to God. He was ripe for the picking, and we discussed it. And he said, well, I need to go home, and I need to, uh, I need to talk to God tonight. I said, what about now? You can do it right now. I thought, well, if you leave it, the enemy of our souls will be in there. I'm not going to leave him. So I led him to the Lord. Then old George, he's, he gets back to the Copra and, and uh, he's writing about this guy's name was John. He's texts me about John. He says, John's mouth is, because this guy was obviously probably spent a fair bit of his life in the pub, I think. And uh, this guy, John, and he says, John's mouth is still like an open grave. In other words, he kept swearing all the time. I said, George, don't worry about that. When you go fishing, Jesus said, you make your fishes of men. You got to catch the fish. Then you scale them, gut them, skin them afterwards. When Jesus, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Then he said to his disciples, because Lazarus, he actually, if you read it carefully, he actually floated out of the tomb because he was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. So he actually literally just floated out. He couldn't walk. He couldn't shuffle. He floated out. Then he said to the disciples, because he had the grave clothes. He'd been dead four days. He had the stink of death upon him. Sometimes it comes out of the mouth when someone gets saved. Sometimes God's got to clean that up. He said to the disciples, loose them and let them go. And so we minister the word of God. And over time, a transformation takes place. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So often when we get religious, we only want to have people that got all their eyes dotted and T's crossed. But we're not like that here at Excite. We're into fishing for men. And if they come in, no matter how they look, how bad they smell, their language, who cares? Glory be, Jesus, just as we were. Boy, when he saved me, was I a mess. But he took me in. And, he, and, and God gave me a new identity in his son. And over time, it transformed my life. I became, I'm a new person, a new creature in Christ. What a blessing. Everybody in this world is seeking for something. I shared this with our prayer team here before the service, maybe last week or I can't remember when it was, possibly last week. But you know, everyone is seeking for something. They're actually all seeking for Jesus. They just don't know it. Even as I say, that laminin that holds our cells together, the glue that holds our cells together in the shape of a cross, Jesus is the only one that can truly satisfy a person's heart and life. 
And they're all looking for Jesus, and they're seeking for him in possessions and popularity and all these things and their own performance. And, 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 but they don't realize who they're seeking for. Do you know that word seeking is an important word? The answer to their need is in that very word seeking. Because Jesus came seeking to seek and to save that which is lost. But people are seeking for things in this world. But if you think of the word seeking, do you know how to spell? What's the first three letters of seeking? C. What's the last four letters? King. See the king. And that's why the word of God says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See the king. All that you're seeking for in this world will be supplied by Jesus. The answer is right in front of us. See the king. I don't know if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior here this morning. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, if God is speaking to you this morning, you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. For those who have received him, we're new creatures in Christ. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. And we can just stand firm. Even though we come under attack, Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer, I've overcome it. And he's set us an example. He's warned us. In his word, as we read these stories, we're warned of how the enemy, the enemy of our souls comes in to rob us, to destroy, to kill and to steal. But we can stand firm as we read the word and as we know who we really are as a child of God, as a son of the living God and a person who has found our identity in Christ. So you are, number one, a child of God. So important, recognizing your value, to remember that. You are a child of God. Number two, your identity is found in Christ. 